If the world all went to hell in a handbasket today, you'd probably be stuck with what you have now in your possession and what you know or the skills you have learned already. Assuming your city or home didn't get destroyed and along with it all of your prepping supplies, you could either be pretty well off for some time or in a serious world of hurt almost immediately. Most of you listening to this podcast have made some attempts at becoming prepared. Even if you're new to prepping, you may have taken steps already to ensure that you have stocked up some water and food for an emergency. Others have years worth of survival items stored up just in case. For all of us, whether we have a ton of prep stored already or you're just getting started, when we talk about how we will replace goods and services after a collapse, the concept of barter eventually enters the conversation. Bartering is what people routinely used to do before there was the nearly universal concept of money that we have now. Well, money and debt. Bartering was a way of trading something you had for something you wanted and was widely used as the main form of commerce between people. If you'd been raising livestock, you could trade, uh, let's say, a chicken or some eggs to your neighbor for helping you mend a fence. If you were traveling through an area, you might trade a day's work for room and board for the night. The details of the trade were up to you and the person who had the good or service you wanted. Many prepping blogs offer information about bartering after SHTF as the replacement potential for commerce if we ever find ourselves on the other end of some crisis that destroys the financial system. The concept sounds valid on the surface. In a SHTF world, you could expect to not have any money or a job or your entire existence would be simply just trying to get by as best you could. To this end, many preppers recommend stocking up on supplies for barter after SHCF so that you would have a built-in supply of items to trade. And these stored items would be one form of new currency in a grid-down world. Today on the Prepper Journal, we're going to be talking about bartering and what are some of the pros and cons you should consider before the bottom drops out, and this is your only method of getting stuff. Journal Podcast. Bartering in theory makes perfect sense. It it is at its core another it's just a way of trading services or goods for other services or goods. An agreement between two people to exchange one thing for another. The assumption is that two people would have an honest contract implicit in nothing more than a firm handshake or a you have my word statement. This will work for most people as I believe that most people are good and honest. However, some people are not honest and forthright and those are what you need to be aware of when the subject of bartering comes up. Bartering has its good points. And it's bad. So today we'll discuss the pros and cons of bartering as it relates to preppers. Now, bartering is not new. 
It's been used as a form of commerce since the dawn of time. Before there was money, everyone bartered. If you had livestock like rabbits, you may barter with the blacksmith to fix your wagon wheel. Uh, the number of rabbits or rabbit meat that equaled the work of fixing the wagon wheel was agreed upon by you and the blacksmith, and the exchange occurred. Bartering isn't something that has disappeared out of time either. I know many stories of people bartering today. Venison in trade for making jerky. Canned preserves for small chores. Bartering happens every day, even now. So why shouldn't it continue in earnest when the grid goes down? I do believe if we have an economic collapse, we will see a huge resurgence of bartering. But for bartering to work, you must have something to trade. What if you have nothing to barter with? No goods or supplies to trade. Uh, you can trade your labor. And I fear that some people will trade their bodies. Uh, and this will only go so far until people get desperate. And then the simple act of bartering could turn deadly if you aren't careful. Okay, at this point, you may be thinking, I'm trying to scare everyone out there. And this is not true. I'm only trying to suggest that bartering may not be the perfect solution you have been thinking it was. At the very least, each situation must be considered on its own. and uh, as so much else will when the grid goes down, and with respect to the possible risk associated. Your value of a good or service will almost always be different from what someone else thinks and tempers could flare. Before I discuss the risk, though, let's talk about some potential bartering items. Um, this list came from survivalblog.com's list of lists. Um, and I, I linked to that in the original article. This document is something every prepper should download, if for nothing else than to read it and use it as a guide in making your own decisions about what tangible items you should consider purchasing. When I first read it, I was amazed at what I failed to consider. And some of the items were also in our recent um, article. Well, <clears throat> not so recent anymore, but... Uh, the 12 survival items you may have overlooked. So popular items that you can purchase for use for barter later if the SHTF. So uh, ladies supplies. Many people don't consider this, but, you know, whenever you can't run to CVS or Walgreens anymore, um, you could have a different kind of problem on your hands. So feminine supplies are something that... Um, they're useful for normal purposes. They're also useful for um, first aid. Uh, you know, they, they make great blood stoppers. So, you know, stocking up on these uh, just makes perfect sense. However, if you think about how much you have to stock up on, um, you know, short-lived disaster is one thing. But what if you're talking about years? How are you going to keep all of those supplies, you know, stocked up somewhere? What I uh, recommend is, you know, alternatives to that. So something like, um, you know, Diva Cup is one. And I don't recommend this because I am a female and I know how it works. It just makes common sense to me. A reusable option for something that happens every month like that would seem to be better than disposable paper products. But if you have some of these uh, feminine hygiene articles, you could use those for barter. Um, 
Another option is ammo of various calibers. And I, you know, I, I didn't write this list, but I'm going to, I'm going to critique it. Um, I don't know if I would ever trade ammo. I think that personally, if I had so much ammo that I didn't have, well, I guess let me rephrase that. If I had so much ammo that I could never use it in a million years and I was desperate for something that someone else had, yeah, I could see myself trading ammo. But I don't currently have that much ammo. I mean, I have more than a, I think I have plenty for what I need. I don't have trading amounts uh, where I would just start, you know, getting rid of my ammo. Um, Some people do. Obviously, somebody's buying all this ammo that goes on sale uh, every week. So if that's you, then yeah, I guess ammo, you would always have a value in ammo. Somebody's always going to want that. Uh, Next up, salt. Food, in my opinion, always tastes better with a little bit of salt on it. You can buy um, salt licks. So you can buy or cattle blocks. Uh, You can buy one pound canisters of iodized table salt. or they're not canisters, they're little containers, they're paper boxes, essentially. And you can buy a case of these at Sam's for about five bucks. They'll last you forever, as long as you keep them dry. Um, Two-cycle engine oil for, you know, your chainsaws um, that require, you know, you mixing two-cycle oil with gas. Gas will probably still be available after a collapse for a good while anyway, but two-cycle oil might be hard to find. Uh, and along that, along with that, gas stabilizer. So if you do have gas, you want to make sure it's stabilized. A uh, little simple or a little um, packs of gas stabilizer make a good barter item. Diesel antibacterial additive. I don't have anything diesel, so this wouldn't make sense to me. But if you do have engines that run on diesel, it's the same type of thing. It's a stabilizing agent um, for diesel so that it'll last longer when you store it. Uh, 50 pound sacks of lime for outhouses. Again, I don't have 50 pound sacks of lime, uh, but I'm just going to plan on digging a whole lot of holes for a while. But if I had a giant barn and I had, you know, places to store these 50 pound sacks, I see where it could make sense. Uh, Alcohol for human consumption in small bottles. So smaller bottles obviously are cheaper. You can store many more of them. Um, you know, you don't want to sell a big bottle or trade a big bottle of, you know, your finest, uh, Kentucky bourbon whenever, uh, a small, you know, shot would have done the, the same thing. So you can get, uh, either the shot, shot bottles or, you know, small half pints. Uh, those would make good barter items. Um, one ounce bottles of military rifle bore cleaner. Or, or lubricant, um, you know, to clean your weapons, um, and you know, this this make a good barter item. Thermal socks, nice warm socks. If you live in a cold climate or it is winter time, uh, some people are not going to have that kind of preparation. Waterproof matches, or um, I prefer bic lighters. Bic lighters will light more fires. Um, you know, they'll last. Well, they won't last longer than waterproof matches, but it's just much easier to get a fire going with a bic than it is to try and use matches sometimes. Uh, military web gear. So a lot of folks in, if we're talking about, you know, SHCF, you know, shit hits the fan. 
Um, a lot of people are going to suddenly want to have pistol belts. They're going to want to have holsters. They're going to want to have magazine pouches. Uh, you know, you get, you get the point. Do you really need to have a whole bunch of this on hand for barter? I, I wouldn't go out and buy a whole bunch of it for barter. What I've done, though, is I've accumulated stuff over the years uh, in search of my perfect system. And so I don't throw that away if I, if I have an item that I'm not going to use anymore. I just kind of set that aside. And that will be something that I absolutely could use for barter. But it's not like I bought it specifically to barter. Uh, one gallon cans of kerosene, a uh, great barter item. You can use this for heating or cooking or lights. Um, definitely important after the grid goes down. Uh, rolls of OD or olive drab parachute cord. So parachute cord is one of those, uh, it's a prepping staple. If you don't have any parachute cord, you're not a prepper. I'm just going to tell you there's some unwritten law that says that right now. Everybody has to have paracord. And you can get paracord everywhere. But I, I have not seen too many people using paracord, although it's rope, it's cordage. It's got an inherent usability that you'd be foolish not to, to take advantage of. You can get little small spools of, you know, probably, you know, 20 feet of paracord relatively cheap. Or you can get the big... The big spools, like 250, 500, 1,000 feet, um, you're talking like $16, $17, I think, for about 250 feet, or uh, it might go up to 60 bucks for 1,000 feet. 1,000 feet of paracord, you can do a lot with. And I guess you could, um, you know, cut pieces off or cut uh, sections off to trade with that. Um, same thing with duct tape. Duct tape um, would make a good barter item. I don't know I would use the whole row, roll, but maybe you could. I personally like to take um, about 10 feet of duct tape and I wrap it around an old hotel, plastic hotel key that, you know, it looks like a credit card. Um, I wrap 10 feet of duct tape around there and that's a nice little convenient size. It's flat, it's compact, I can stick it in a pocket, um, but that gives me a lot of duct tape and it's easy carrying configuration. Uh, fishing line. So if you have areas near you where fishing is available, you know, being able to, you know, give someone, you know, a small spool of monofilament fishing line would be a good barter item. Also, uh, heavy mill sheet plastic. And you can use this to replace windows. You can um, use it to kind of create a, um, a clean room, isolate air spaces if you have nuclear radiation scenarios but of course that gets into a whole other level of prepping that um I'm, you know we're not going to talk about in this podcast but you know plastic sheets tarps uh anything like that is going to come in handy you know in, in a whole bunch of different uses uh again matches strike anywhere matches you can dip the heads in paraffin wax to make them waterproof um you know, these are good, I think. I would still rather just have a, a good Bic lighter. Um, games. Card games. Uh, anything to break break up the monotony. Um, whenever the internet's gone, TV's gone, um, people are going to get bored. So giving them a way to distract themselves is going to be something that's uh you know, has a lot of value. Cooking spices. Again, 
I mentioned salt. Uh, just being able to flavor the bland, uh, well, some bland food options that you might have uh, is gonna is gonna be able to you know really make someone's life a lot better. Whenever you can have, you know, you can have spaghetti with uh, meat, tomatoes, and noodles, but you add some spices in there, and that just makes it so much better to eat. Uh, rope and string, going back to cordage, sewing supplies. You know, I. There are a lot of people that won't go anywhere without a sewing kit, and I have never in my life had to use one. Yes, I have had to sew a button on. I just don't think these are the greatest survival item in the world. However, um, sewing supplies are useful whenever you can't go out and buy new clothes. I mean, it's it's helpful to to mend clothing that you do have, or because if you're really um, uh, really creative and crafty, you can actually make clothing with that. But I think if you're that skilled, you're probably going to have sewing supplies anyway. Uh, beeswax. It's good for all sorts of things. You can make medications with it. You can make um, soaps, uh, candles, um, you know, candle wax and wicking. Again, if you want to uh, make candles, I don't think that is the best use for wax. Just because, you know, when you burn, it's all gone. It's really hard for the bees to make wax. Uh, you'd be much better off just getting some LED lights. Um, you know, rolls of plain wire. Always good for, um, you know, a lot of different things. You could even get snare, uh, the, the snare kind of um, braided cord. Um, you know, that's something that could come in useful. It's also a good barter. Uh, barbed wire, mesh wire, chicken wire, chain link, any kind of fencing keep animals in to keep critters out uh another good barter item and then cable um various sizes of cable and cable clamps so a more robust um form of holding things down or you know securing items using cable uh, i think i'm gonna use cable to hang my chicken feeders out there in our coop i've got a, a run that i've got their water out there hanging off a pole but they climb up on the pole and they sit on top of the pole and then they poop on their water i think i'm going to put a roof over top of that pole so they can't sit on the pole itself uh, and the water's covered i'm going to put their food under there and i'm going to hang the food with some some really small wire so that it it's sturdy but it's uh i've got a piece of chain right now holding the water up but i don't need anything that serious there are a ton of other items i could think to add to this list you can too i'm sure but you get the idea the common theme for barter items in this list uh, would be relatively minor household items that can make your life easier or make what you have last longer and this list doesn't go into the services side of things as that could be limitless and i don't think we mentioned toilet paper either but um as everyone here knows, toilet paper is a real thing that people want in a in a crisis situation. So use your best judgment with uh, whether or not you want to give out your last roll of Charmin. Risks. So how could bartering be risky? There are a couple of scenarios I can envision bartering in the future if things get bad. Uh, the first scenario was demonstrated uh, in two different books. The first one was The Last Babylon. And there's another book by um, James Wesley Rawls called Patriots. Patriots, I love that book. 
And it was probably one of the very first books I read when I started getting into um, preparedness. And his first book really goes into a lot of concepts that um, paint a picture for how a dire situation could look. And it really helped me you know, think through things and formalize thoughts I had around prepping. Um, but in both of these books, there is after a collapse, they have like a market where uh, people agree to come into town, usually after some period of, you know, horrific turmoil, and they come together trying to, you know, rebuild civilizations, so to speak, um, and have a, a market where everyone comes into town to a central location to trade what they have in hopes of securing things that they want. Um, that's one scenario. The second scenario is that someone you you know or you don't know approaches you and inquires about trading something as a barter. You know, work or goods they have for something you have that they want. You know, how much for uh, how much for that cow right there? You know, so it, it could be anything. The risk could come with the transaction itself. The first type of scenario, that market would seem to offer the most protection of the transaction. You'd be in a public area, presumably with lots of other people, and the likelihood that you would be robbed should be lower. The risk I see uh, in that is that you're taking the goods that you have and showing everyone what you have in order to make a trade. Uh, perhaps someone sees that you have a nice bottle of scotch that you're looking to trade for some 45 caliber ammo. Actually, I'm not sure you would be able to buy too many rounds with a good bottle of scotch if, you know, the shit ever hit the fan. But I digress. I mean, which is going to be more valuable, ammo or scotch? Hmm, that's a good, that's a good call. Depends on how much ammo I have. Um, the bad guy sees the scotch and they don't have any ammunition. Actually, they may be jonesing so bad for a drink, so maybe they had a drinking problem. They haven't had a drink since all this happened. And now, because they're an alcoholic and they have nothing to trade, but they know you have a bottle of scotch, um, things could get bad. Maybe they know where you live, or maybe they follow you back home after you leave to try and take the scotch and anything else you might have. Bartering in this type of setting seems to go against good OPSEC practices. So you take everything you have to a central location, you show everyone what you have, um, to some extent, you let them know the value you place on these things. Um, and then you have to take either what you got at the market back home, or you take everything that you weren't able to sell back home. In either case, you're, you know, you're going back, someone could follow you and, you know, bad types, bad things could happen. The second type of scenario is far more likely to end badly if the person on the other end of the transaction has evil intent. So we're talking about now, if you just meet someone or know someone who wants to trade you, you know, you know, how much, how much you want for one of them chickens, you know, kind of thing. Um, they may, they might be right there in your house looking around and spy other items that they want. They may decide at that time to take more than they need or that what you and they agreed to. Without some thought and precaution, things may end up badly for someone, hopefully not you. So uh, now that everyone is thinking about how your neighbor is going to kill you for a cup of sugar, let me explain some simple practices you can use to keep yourself safe. 
Number one, never let them see where you have your supplies. If you have a stocked pantry full of cans of food, freeze-dried food storage, and tons of hard red winter wheat, keep this out of sight. This should probably apply now um, as well as if the grid goes down or we have an emergency. Uh, I, I I try not to let, well, so I have a couple of, couple of areas in my house. So one of these is like a hidden closet. That's where a lot of the, the uh, food storage is. That's where a lot of my prepping supplies are. That's where the safe is, That's where my ammo is. I, I never, I never let anybody in there. Not unless they're like part of my family. Um, I definitely wouldn't show friends, friends around. The other thing is our pantry. Again, a lot of food in there and some long-term food storage. I don't know if people would necessarily be able to figure out what that is, but I still don't try to advertise it because we also have buckets of, you know, that are clearly labeled, you know, hard red winter wheat, you know, and oatmeal and things like that. So, um, I, I try not to let anybody ever see what we have on hand. In survival situations, people can become desperate. And if they know you have something they need, if it gets bad enough, eventually they'll start thinking about how to separate that thing from you. Number two, never take everything you want to trade at one time. If you uh, have the Patriots type of market in that book, where someone is trying to trade their Corvette for any kind of handgun, don't take all of your spare guns with you. If I had extra handguns that I'd be willing to trade, I would shop first and discuss the trade with that person interested. Uh, Once a deal was struck, then I'd arrange to meet them at some other time and place with the rest of the guns. Um, This approach has risk too, because automatically it sounds like something sketchy is going on. But you can, if you do it the right way, you can mitigate the risk of someone trying to take your guns from you there and put yourself in a more favorable position you know, somewhere else that you're able to scope out. Now, how to, how to negotiate a trade. Assuming everything else is all right, you're in a safe situation, you're sure you won't be taken advantage of, or uh, criminally at least, you next have to negotiate the deal in a way that doesn't leave you on the short end of the stick. So first figure out what you want and what you're willing to trade. Now have this firmly in your mind before you ever speak to the person. Knowing an amount you would be willing to part with will help you know how much to initially offer and more importantly what to walk away from don't offer something you aren't willing to give now this is going to be tough um i think this is going to be really tough for probably i mean if i'm being honest i don't think bartering if we if we have a collapse in society i don't think bartering is going to be normal or fair or routine or semi-safe for a generation because we just don't know how to do it. People will get taken advantage of. People have to learn those lessons. People have to understand kind of what a fair price is for something. People have to haggle. Um, everybody's going to be learning this at the beginning, and it just it's not going to go well for a long time. I think you're going to have to grow up with this kind of environment before it's normal and it's routine and you're more savvy with it. But that's just what I'm saying. Uh, In my scenario, a generation goes by and I I probably won't be around. Uh, Remember, you do not have to agree to the trade if you don't like it. Thinking back to, you know, my first point, if you don't think the trade's worth it, walk away. And this may actually work in your favor if the person trading really wants to deal. B, 
Being able to walk away puts you in control of the trade, though, and not them. If you're too greedy or too anxious to get whatever it is they're trading, they have you at a disadvantage. Spell out the details. If you've ever read any children's stories, they're full of situations where the young hero agrees to something without getting all the facts. Yes, I will let you marry my daughter, but I didn't say which one. Ha 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 ha. And poof, you're stuck with the ugly stepdaughter for a wife. If you're trading one good for another, be specific. If it's a good or service, write down the details and have both parties sign it. This seems kind of rudimentary, but I mean, it works. It, you know, you have both people um, that have agreed to something on paper. And it, if all else fails, at least you have the righteous knowledge that you have proof that you were wronged in the case of something goes, goes bad. Uh, of course, this is only as good as the person's word you're agreeing with, but it could clarify the deal in a way that saves your bacon. Oh, and it assumes you have paper, which I said was basically worthless as barter. So take that with a grain of salt. And then four, trust your gut. If something doesn't seem right, walk away. Trust your intuition. My intuition has been right more times than I care to admit it. Um, and it's not because... I'm smarter or better than anyone else. I think we all have intuition that protects us if we just are willing to listen to it. Uh, if the person or the details of the trade make your spidey senses start tingling, it's better to hold off. Um, even if you have to delay and you do the trade at a later date, it's probably better if you're not feeling very good about it. And then always conduct your transaction away from your supplies. So do not invite strangers. I would say even friends into your house if they're asking for supplies. Some of this falls into the charity topic. But if you're trading something for a cup of wheat berries, let's just say, don't let them come into your pantry with you and see you scooping a big 50 pound bag of wheat out to give them, you know, one cup of it. Ask them to wait outside and you'll come back with the wheat. Optionally, you can tell them that you'll bring it right over, and then that way they might, might not even know where in the house you keep it. Um, some of this may seem over the top, but use your best judgment. Bartering can be done right now without having any economic collapse or, you know, SHTF scenario. If you believe that bartering is in our future, you can go practice right now while there is so much less risk. Go out to flea markets, try yard sales. You won't necessarily be bartering for goods you have, but practice negotiating. Find something you want, go through the process of the transaction to see how it feels. It may help you learn some things about yourself that could help you down the road. These are just some thoughts I had on bartering. I'd love to hear your ideas also. Please let me know what you think at theprepperjournal.com. Thanks everybody and I'll talk to you soon.